Thank you, thank you to you, and uh, thank you to the organizers for this invitation. Um, now, asking curators to speak about their exhibitions uh, flirts with uh, wistful nostalgia. Um, I will try and resist uh, as much as I can, um, because exhibitions are ways uh, to think with artists and through art um, about questions in life that niggle, you know, like pebble in a shoe. Uh, exhibitions can carry narratives, uh, narratives that are co-developed with artists, with co-curators, with interlocutors. But there are also, uh, they can be more generous than that. They can be laboratories uh, for practice. Um, I'd like to think that Lines of Control, partition as a productive space, um, is one such exhibition. I'd like to focus on this idea of partition as a productive space. Productive, not in a value judgment sense of the word, but in the literal sense that partitions produce things. They produce nations, they produce borders, they rewrite histories and reconfigure our memories. Um, and Lines of Control um, lasted from sort of 2005 to 2013. There is a thick book that accompanies, uh, that you can reach and you know, uh, contact me and I can send you a PDF if you can't get hold of it. So what I'm not going to do is just walk you through uh, slides and slides of, uh, of artworks, but I, what I wanted to share was where this project came from, uh, how it developed, and then some share some reflections uh, looking from the here and now uh, on that. Um, now, as Nick has already sort of pointed out, uh, the UK remembers partition about every 10 years. Um, and uh, lines of control, uh, I must sort of put up my hand in this, uh, because 10 years ago, um, I was also thinking about partition um, as, a, as a sort of a younger curator. Um, and that time, my sort of my motivation was twofold. Uh, one, it felt very strange to me that uh, a world event, as had been described by, uh, and, and doesn't need description to you, of that scale, has left such a small mark on the world's visual legacy. You know, if you compare it with things like the Holocaust of the European Jews. Um, and, and on a personal level, I had just become a parent, and I was really concerned about, well, what is the history that this kid is going to learn uh, going to, uh, to school in the UK? And how is partition covered? Well, very badly is the, is the short answer. Uh, and at that time, it was also, uh, I was sort of seeing artistic production, mostly out of India, with people like Amar Kanwar, whom Thrilled is, is here in the audience, Nalani Malani, uh, and projects started by artists, in particular the Arpar project of Huma Mulji and Shilpa Gupta. Uh, so there was a genealogy of practice that was, was forming, and I was sort of very keen to try and, uh, and develop that. So we thought we'd gather at the Royal Geographical Society, where most of these lines are drawn, um, and we, we got together artists, uh, historians, filmmakers, cartographers, and under the sort of incisive and gentle leadership of uh, Sarath Maharaj, the cultural theorist, uh, I mean, I'd gone in with this uh, idea that, you know, there'll be a three-part exhibition, fracture, refuge, suture, which in a, in a funny coincidence uh, sort of almost rhymes with the BBC's uh, uh, Partition Voices series, Division, Legacy, Aftermath. Uh, but, but, but I came out of it thinking, um, as Sarath very uh, 
correctly pointed out, why are you so obsessed about 60? Next year will be 61. So you know, that's fair enough. That's a good point. So what we then ended up doing was to say, right, let's, let's think about this as a constellation of events that cumulatively will add something more than just a single bang uh, would, would ever be able to accomplish. And, and what I'm going to do in this remaining time is just sort of walk you through some of this. So that workshop took place in 2005. And, and what I'm going to be doing, the red will be talking about the lines of control project. And the white will be just sort of pointing out some things that are happening in the world. Because while the project was happening, the world was also changing. New lines were being drawn. Um, one of the things to sort of point out was just the, uh, the influence of the artists involved here. And not just as, um, as for, the, for their work, but also as sort of major critical texts and interlocutors. Uh, Shilpa Gupta, Amar Kanwar, Sophie Ernst, Monica Passin, Bani Abdi. Uh, these are all people who shaped the thinking uh, of, of this project as it was developing. And, and the project really came out of a, con of a collective conversation. <coughs> uh, part of that conversation was meant to be realized in a symposium in Karachi. Karachi, which is actually the birthplace of Nalani Malani, but she'd never been to. Uh, and I think, Amar, you still haven't been. Is that right? Um, and, and also, Rux Media Collective was supposed to come. And so this was to take place in December 2008. For those of us who remember what happened at that time, uh, there was an attack uh, in Bombay. It became impossible to, uh, to actually host this symposium, and the exhibition had to be postponed. The exhibition, and this became a series of exhibitions, were finally held in 2009. Uh, and they were held across three different spaces in, in Karachi, so which is the top left corner, in Dubai, to, to expand the conversation beyond South Asia, and in London. And then those three exhibitions were brought together uh, at Cartwright Hall in Bradford um, in, uh, in the show How Nations Are Made. The exhibition uh, had a number of uh, new commissions. Um, I'm not going to share all of them. The one that I will hear is by uh, the Bangladeshi, New York-based artist Naeem Mohayaman. Um, and he chose as his subject uh, Kazi Nazrul Islam, uh, the Bengali language poet, the only person to feature on stamps of all three nation states. So that's what you see here. Uh, and of course, in that, and in that featuring, the, the Kazi that each nation imagines is a different individual. For India, he's the syncretic poet above ethnic divisions. For Pakistan, he's a Muslim Tagore. For Bangladesh, so, you know, when, when the nation is formed, they reclaim him as a national poet. But apart from new commissions, one of the most exciting things uh, for me as a curator was actually to go back uh, into sort of the history of, uh, of visual culture and resuscitate some lost projects. One of these was Anita Dubey's River Disease, that sort of claw-like structure that you see here. Uh, it was a work dating back to 1999, um, and it was sort of lost, and it was then redeveloped for, for lines of control. Uh, the five... Uh, rivers, of course, you, know, you can think about Punjab. Uh, Iftikhar Dadi and Nalani Malani, uh, this is probably the first collaborative artwork by, between an artist from India and from Pakistan. 
The red lines are, of course, Radcliffe lines. Uh, again, this was created in 97 and then lost and was refabricated for uh, the exhibitions uh, with sequins and made by people who sort of stitch wedding clothes in Karachi. Uh, at, after that exhibition, there was an invitation from Cornell University, the Johnson Museum, to bring lines of control to Cornell. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I also wanted to point out uh, another exhibition called Where Three Dreams Cross, uh, held at the Whitechapel, which looked at 150 years of photography in India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Um, I was part of that curatorial team, led by Sunil Gupta, and one of his sort of uh, rules was that there will be no dead bodies in that exhibition uh, as a reaction against how many dead bodies are portrayed whenever we sort of look at South Asia, um, which is well and good. But then how do you talk about that 150 years uh, if, within that rule? So what we ended up doing was, was to have a conference uh, that addressed partition. And in that way, I just wanted to point out how this project starts talking to other projects. Um, another such project was uh, Gori Gill, uh, who developed um, a, a project that was still in, in the works and invited her to complete it, uh, called What Remains. And this is looking at Hindu and Sikh communities in Kabul, who over time, sort of post-Taliban, are then sort of pushed out and moved to Delhi, a Delhi post-Indra Gandhi's uh, assassination that is equally hostile to them. Uh, and this was a mixture of photographs in Kabul and Delhi uh, and works produced in uh, workshops with, with children and with, uh, with elderly communities in both places. Um, this, uh, some selection of these works were then staged as a, as a mini exhibition within the British Council's headquarters in London while they were staging a sort of a big South Asia fest, I suppose one could call it, uh, for all the different British Council officers. Um, and one of the th interesting things about this project was how the same artworks are, are put into different conversations and that develop a sort of familiarity uh, which is also you know, interesting in terms of the conversations they can hold. The carpet that you see in front of you is called the Hyde Park Kashan uh, by the artist David Aylesworth. And it's actually a map of um, the great exhibition in Hyde Park on top of a, a traditional Persian garden uh, carpet. Uh, now to, uh, to Cornell. Um, and this was a major event. And when Ellen Averill, who was the chief curator, um, sort of approached me initially, my sort of response was to say, yes, would love to, but I'm not interested in simply just moving objects around the world. If you're going to do something at Cornell, we have to engage with the histories of that place and think about what makes sense. Uh, she was an incredibly good sport uh, and agreed to do that. Um, and part of that included uh, adding on to the team the artist and art historian Iftikhar Dabi, who, whose work you would remember with Nalini Malini, who was, as an artist, had been part of Lines of Control right from the start. But this was an opportunity to actually rope him in uh, so we co-edited the publication. He also mobilized a whole host of, uh, of different faculties, uh, including, and to point out to Nick, the agriculture faculty, who then used this exhibition as a way to think about how animals cross borders, um, water, uh, water rights, um, etc. So in the, in the end, we had seven different faculties working with this uh, show. 
There were more than 30 artists, 45 works, and we went beyond uh, South Asia. We're not going to show you all those 45 works, uh, but I'm just going to sort of flick through maybe three or four of them. So this is the IMP designed uh, Johnson Museum uh, at Cornell. And the first work I'll start off with, I think it was a very important work by Jolene Ricard, who's both an artist and uh, a scholar at Cornell. And, and she chose to address um, uh, the actual claim of the Cayuga people, um, who, whose land uh, is around that, the area of Cornell, for an, uh, uh, and, and use the exhibition really as a site of that claim of nationhood. Uh, Nadia Kabilinke's All Along the Watchtower was, 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 was a shadow without an object. So using airbrush paint, uh, it, it sort of looks like a watchtower. It calls to mind uh, Auschwitz, um, surveillance, ideas of being hunted, uh, bare life. Uh, scenes, unfortunately, which are all too common um, still, whether in Europe or the Rohingya right now in South Asia. One of the pleasures of working with a large museum um, and, and, and sort of ability to also access different types of funding is that we could also show existing work. Uh, so like the, the wonderful Cunnilingus in North Korea, an imagined address uh, by Kim Jong-il to the people of South Korea. Uh, um, and uh, commission new work, so Global Kalea, where they looked at uh, software and health centers and cybercrime. One of these new commissions was by Rux Media Collective, with a small but really poignant work. So this, what you're looking at is a paper takeaway that the audience could take away with them. There's a stanza from three poems um, by uh, Tagore, by Fez Ahmed Fez, and Aga Shahid Ali, that, both, uh, that all three of them address the idea of strangers. And of course, it calls to mind uh, borders and how they work how they tur turn friends into strangers. One of the sort of really special things about working at, uh, at the Johnson Museum was the, the exhibition was literally built by the MFA and architecture students. Um, and that was, that was a wonderful experience. Uh, one of the things that I think really connects with uh, what Lord Desai and, and, and Nick were also sharing was these ideas of capturing stories. Um, and one of the artists who was being absolutely uh, pivotal to the Lines of Control project is Sophie Ernst, um, who started um, in 2006 when, when, when the project was just starting uh, as, as films. And these were interviews uh, carried out mostly by artists of their parents or grandparents about the homes they left behind at the time of partition. And these were very often the first time these conversations were had within the family. Sophie uh, managed to then capture this uh, on, 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 on film and then projected this onto sculptural objects that had some relationship with the story that they were narrating. Over time, she expanded from India and Pakistan to Palestine and Israel. And then by the time uh, the Cornell uh, exhibition happened, she was invited by Yorkshire Sculpture Park to produce uh, a really major exhibition and, and a book that we then co-published with them. Uh, so that's the artist there. Um, by that time, I had sort of moved from London to Hong Kong, and you start seeing different references of what's happening in the world, uh, of pro-China curricula, 
or what happens in the Philippines uh, or, or China's skirmishes with Japan. Uh, the exhibition moved on from Cornell to, to Duke. Uh, it changed a little. That carpet is not David Aylesworth. That's Mona Hatoum. Um, and I suppose that's a good point to just sort of move into reflections. Um, and just thinking about what this exhibition sort of did for me, uh, it's, I think it's really shifted the focus away from commemoration to really becoming much more open-ended as an inquiry. To move from that memorial function of art to, to art as a critical text that finds new meaning. From capital P, partition, really to partitions, I think, as a way of decentering um, these dominant discourses. And really to, um, you know, as the Russian proverb says, uh, that the future is certain. You know? The history, our history, is the past is forever changing. And I think we have to be constantly engaged in how our past changes, because that really informs our present. Um, and one of the things that I personally took away was the importance of partitions to cultural histories, not just in South Asia, but in Korea, in Palestine, in Ireland, and really thinking about them and, and seeing what happens when you go from post-war to post-partition as a framing device for our discourses. Um, it would be unlike me to stop there. Um, the world keeps drawing lines. But I wanted to end, uh, as, as I finished, with art. Um, with a small work, this is um, Tom Malloy, um, Irish-born but France-based artist. And this is a small commercially available globe, which he's covered the surface with white enamel paint. The only thing he leaves are the man-made lines, the borders. Uh, between nations. Borders that are continually being, uh, being made afresh. And as a response, another work from the Lines of Control show by um, uh, Emily Jassir, of, of Palestinian origin, um, whose uh, work Sexy Semite uh, really consists of um, ads that she and her friends took out in the Village Voice newspaper in New York. So these are personal ads. Um, and you can see there are sort of Arab women uh, looking for Jewish mates. So this is one way, that right of return, uh, which Israel is not granting. Um, and I think it's, it says with wit and a whole lot of sass how these lines of control can be crossed. With that, I'll, I'll stop here. Thank you. Thank you.